message four has a simple, but I believe very precious, subject and title. Loving the Lord's appearing. And I'd like to begin by reading uh, from first, uh, sorry, Second Timothy four, verses eight, and the first part of verse ten. After declaring that he had fought the good fight, finished the course, and kept the faith. Paul says in verse 8, Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, with which the Lord, the righteous judge, will recompense me in that day. And not only me, but also all those who have loved his appearing. So this verse, obviously, is the basis for our subject. But before he mentions all those who have loved his appearing, Paul shares something that he finally, at the end of his course, was assured of. And that is the crown of righteousness, the kingdom reward, was laid up for him with the Lord. And the Lord is defined as the righteous judge who will recompense me in that day. And that day refers to the judgment of the believers at the judgment seat of God, there to be judged by the Son of Man. And Paul, who had fought the fight, kept the faith, finished the course, now realized and had the assurance he was victorious. He is an overcomer. And he was assured now that he would be in the kingdom, receiving the reward, a crown of righteousness. Then he connects this with all those, obviously all the believers, who have loved his appearing. He doesn't say who love his appearing, which of course is appropriate, but who have loved his appearing, indicating as they finish their course, they loved the Lord's appearing all the way through to the end. And here we see loving the Lord's appearing is intimately related to receiving the crown of righteousness, the kingdom reward. And this indicates and implies 
that those who have loved the Lord's appearing and today are loving his appearing, if they continue to the end of their course, they will get the kingdom reward. So here we have loving his appearing. Then in verse 10, we see a different kind of love. For Demas has abandoned me, having loved the present age and has gone to Thessalonica. We know from another verse, I think it's in Colossians, that Demas was one of Paul's co-workers. That's not a small thing to be a co-worker of the Apostle Paul. And obviously, for quite a length of time, to be faithful. But now it's dangerous, it's risky to be one with Paul who is imprisoned and who will be martyred. <clears throat> so Demas didn't just go away. He abandoned me. That's a serious word here. To abandon is willingly and thoroughly give up something. It's a decisive action. He abandoned me. Then Paul gives the reason. Having loved the present age. And when we get into the outline, we will develop this contrast between loving the Lord's appearing and loving the age, the present age. With just a further word, and then we'll go through the outline. And that word is to point out a very significant connection or correlation or parallel between the subject of message three and this message. In message three, we considered losing the soul life and receiving the salvation of our souls. And you'll recall, we paid attention to the Lord's word, that if anyone saves his soul life, he will not pay the price to give up his pleasures, to be willing to suffer for the Lord's sake. He wants his soul to have as much enjoyment and the least suffering as possible. So that person is saving his soul life, obviously enjoying things at hand. But those who would lose their soul life for the Lord's sake, they are willing to deny the soul's pleasures whenever that's required for them to suffer something 
to follow the Lord. Now the connection or the parallel or the correlation now is this. To love the soul life is directly related to loving the present age. Losing the soul life is directly connected to loving the Lord's appearing. Those who save their soul life and who love the present age, when the Lord appears, there will be no crown of righteousness for them, no kingdom as a recompense for their labor. But those who have had a life of losing their soul life for the Lord's sake, willing to give up soulish pleasures and enjoyment and willing to suffer loss and suffer in other ways for the Lord's sake, they will be those who love the Lord's appearing, who long and wait for his appearing. So they love his appearing and by receiving the salvation of their souls, they will be receiving the kingdom as a reward, the crown of righteousness bestowed on them by Christ, the righteous judge. Now we turn to the outline. It's not a very long. I don't know if the message will be a little bit shorter. It's possible. So let's turn now to Roman 1. If the Lord's coming is precious to us, we will love his appearing. Now, the contrast to this, if the Lord's coming is not precious to us, then we will not love his appearing because we're not that desirous of him to appear. So we need to receive light from the Lord And we need him to operate in us, to motivate us. We need his grace and mercy to cause us to consider the Lord's coming precious to us. And this is something that comes under the light of the heavenly vision and through our experience of Christ in his all-inclusiveness through the growth in life and the perfecting of light, of faith and love in us. And just a word, uh, it's meant to be a kind of word of understanding and perhaps of comfort and encouraging. I might understand the thinking of 
young people, teenagers, young adults still in their 20s, maybe early 30s, when you hear a brother at my age speaking about how precious is the Lord's second coming, how I want him to come, then the thinking is often like this. I'm bringing it to light, but I'm not condemning it. I'm understanding it. So the thought may be, it's not expressed. Brother Ron, for you to say that, that's one thing. Look how long you've lived already. You've had a full life. You got your education and then graduate degrees and were married and had a family. The Lord took care of you when your first wife passed away. You have a wonderful partner. You have grandchildren. You've been in the Lord's recovery for so long. <coughs> You've had a full life. But we're just getting going. <coughs> Excuse me. We're just getting going. And so, in their heart, they may be saying, Lord Jesus, come. But not yet. Not yet. Yes, I want you to come. But let me finish education. Let me finish my PhD. Please give me time to get married, to have a family. And then, when I'm much older, then surely I will earnestly pray, Come, Lord Jesus. The Lord knows, he's the heart knower. He understands this. But the fact is, or the fact will be, when the Lord comes to rapture the overcomers, which marks the beginning of the consummation of the age, the last three and a half years, believers of all ages will be here. And if some do not respond to the summons or the sense, the call to rapture, because they want to finish what they're doing they want to have a fuller life. Then they will be left to go through a difficult time. So there will need to be brothers and sisters of all ages when the Lord actually comes as the morning star for the watchful overcoming saints. But whether that will be as Far, far beyond me. My goal is, no matter what our age is, we need to receive from the Lord a sense of preciousness of his coming again and a love for his appearing. That if he would come now, secretly to rapture us, we would love that. 
And if we would now see him face to face, we would be in ecstasy. So just as faith comes from Christ as the source, we love, as John says in 1 John, because he first loved us, we need more of faith and love infused into us so that to us, the Lord's coming is precious. And thus, spontaneously, automatically, we will love his appearing. A loving the Lord's appearing and loving the Lord himself are inseparable. If a co-worker, for instance, once we're able to travel again, maybe on this particular trip, his wife is not with him. She loves him, she misses him. He loves her, he misses her. And when he arrives, she loves his appearing. His appearing is indescribably precious. That means we're together. We're in such close contact. B, if we are waiting for the Lord to come, we should be those who love his appearing. That's if we are waiting for the Lord to come. Waiting is a kind of anxious expectation. We are focused on his coming, but we're not idle. We need to live our normal human life according to our age and our situation. But inwardly, we're waiting for him to come. See, the Lord's appearing his coming back is a warning, an encouragement, and an incentive to us. All three. Well, it's a warning. If um, someone from the IRS has contacted you, in the proper way. They don't do it by phone. Those are fake. But they sent you the documents and uh, they want to visit you to go over your income tax from so many years ago. They think there's some corrections. And then you get a text or an email saying, uh, we're coming that's a kind of warning. That means I better have everything ready. And I better have all the documents ready. I have some responsibility to this agent who's coming. So it's a warning. Life is not going to go on as usual with no end on the earth in this age. Our Lord Jesus is coming back. 
and his appearing as his immediate coming is a warning. But it's also an encouragement to pursue him more, to be ready for that moment, to be detached from anything, anyone, any matter, like the things mentioned in Luke, that would hold us back. We want to be prepared, alert, watchful. His appearing, which first will be in a secret way, like the morning star. Only those who are awake and are watchful will see the morning star. So this is an encouragement. The Lord will appear as the morning star at the end of his parousia, which will be the end of the consummation of the age. He will come as the sun, openly, blazing bright for all to see. That's not when we want to first meet him. We want to meet him as the morning star. And it's an incentive that motivates us. I, I want to be in the kingdom. I want to be in the wedding feast. Lord, I want to receive the reward. I want you to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to be prepared. So when I think that you're appearing, maybe, maybe drawing nigh, drawing close, that motivates me. So that in every necessary way, I am ready. I refer again to the two women and the two men, all doing their jobs. But one woman, that's a sister, one man, that's a brother, they were taken because their inner being was different from the other brother and sister. Inwardly, they were watchful, waiting, encouraged, warned, motivated. So immediately upon sensing the Lord's call or his appearing, they respond. And they're taken in rapture as among the first fruits. Now, the two subpoints. We should love the Lord's appearing and look forward to it with earnest expectation and joy. So, this is a kind of requirement. It's not presented with severity, but we should. If we are 
enlightened, if we are wise and prudent, we should love the Lord's appearing. It will make a big difference, both in our present life and in our situation in the coming age. So we should love his appearing and look forward to it with earnest expectation and joy. Not something passive. Well, I hope he comes. That would be so good. The Lord knows there's no heart in that. There's no fervor in that. No earnestness. But we cannot just stir up in our natural life earnestness. We need to look to the Lord so that in our increasing contact with him, there will be this earnestness. As Sister Emmy Barber was, and Brother Nee, you know, he shared with us somewhere, how the two of them were walking openly somewhere and were coming to a corner. They had to turn a corner. And she said to him, maybe when we turn, we'll meet the Lord. This is earnestness. And there's joy there. If a husband and wife are apart due to some circumstances, his work or her work, or if he's in the military and she's home or whatever it is, then it's joyful for them to think of being together again. Just the thought of being able to be with my husband, to be with my wife. Just the joy that accompanies the earnest expectation. Two, we should have a loving that loves the Lord's appearing. This causes us not to be discouraged, but to be faithful to the end. We all know what it is to have moments, even periods of time. We're just discouraged. Just what we hoped for or what we were laboring for or praying for. Where is it? And we don't want to stay in such a state. The Lord cares for us when we are in this kind of state. But loving the Lord's appearing enables us to overcome any kind of discouragement. Or look at the world situation all the things in the environment, the problems in my family, my 
grown young adult children were taking another way. It seems that the meetings are not that living always, whatever. Then we consider the Lord is coming. And that lifts us up. He is the God of comfort and encouragement. And then it causes us to remain faithful to the end. We may be faithful now. We might have been faithful for decades. But overcomers are faithful to the end. I remember hearing or reading something about this particular kind of triathlon race that runs, that's conducted yearly somewhere in Hawaii. And I may have some of the numbers wrong. First, everyone needs to swim. It might be two or three miles. And then bicycle. What I remember, 112 miles. And then run a marathon. 26 miles plus. And of course, the professionals who are in prime condition, they can be the medal winners. But the goal, and everyone is encouraging all the others, the goal is to finish before nightfall. And I heard or read about one runner, it happened to be a woman, who was maybe 100 or 200 yards away from the finish line. And, and she was so exhausted that she just stopped and really fell down. And she had to get herself up. And she didn't finish. Well, whether we finish or not, that's the deciding factor. It's not that, well, you did so well for 53 years in the Lord's recovery, but in the last four and a half years, you took another way. Demas was faithful. I don't know how long. We may not be told or shown. But at a certain point, he didn't persevere to the end. We need to look to the Lord again for mercy so that we will be faithful to the end. And loving the Lord's appearing enables us, supplies us, motivates us, encourages us to remain faithful, no matter what. Keep running the race to the end. Okay, point two, 
loving the Lord's appearing is in contrast to loving the present age. So A says, an age is a part, a section, or an aspect of the world system of Satan, which is used by him to usurp and occupy people and keep them away from God and his purpose. And B says, in 2 Timothy 4.10, the present age refers to the world that surrounds, attracts, and tempts us. We cannot contact the world unless we contact the present age of the world. We may see a little bit later that Paul in Romans 12 appeals to the believers. Do not be fashioned that is conformed, shaped according to this age but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Now, I only know a little bit of German, but there's one word I know something about and I like. It's the word Zeitgeist. Zeit means time. Geist is spirit. So right now, in the present age, the present time frame, there is, you could say, in the atmosphere, certain thoughts, values, uh, appreciations, views of things, that are very different, say, from 20 years ago. 20 years ago, in the United States, there was no so-called same-sex marriage. There was no teaching in the public schools. It doesn't matter what kind of body you have. You decide your gender. And you can just kind of go back and forth. And attitudes toward authority and so many things. That's part of the present age. There's an atmosphere. There's a kind of spirit. It's a kind of collective spirit that is just circulating through the mass media and it's on the network in all kinds of ways. Just presenting values, views, opinions, beliefs, 
things that you, they say you should not do this, or you should love this. That's the present age. And we cannot get out of it. We are living on the world. The Lord Jesus prayed, Father, I did not ask you to bring, take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Well, one crucial aspect of the present age, especially in the Western world and, and in more affluent countries, is all kinds of ways of pleasure, enjoyment, And it's just an age of indulgence and enjoyment. And it offers so much. And Demas loved that. Said, I love the present age of the world system. I'm not about to risk my life, be a martyr. And Paul knew this. He loved the present age. He didn't say he was in it. We're all in it. And there is a loving concern. I express it now at least a little bit. Deep in my being. Especially for the young people. Please. Receive Grace from the Lord not to love the present age. If you love the present age, you will not be ready when the Lord comes. You will not love his appearing. You will not want to be with those sisters and brothers who do not love the present age who live a normal human life, but who love the Lord's appearing. We cannot have both loves. Loving the present age and loving the Lord's appearing. See, Demas loved the present age due to the attraction of the present age. He forsook the Apostle Paul. I know of positive testimonies of a number of saints. They were in a situation like this. And say one man, one brother, he has this job. He's been a faithful employee. But now the Lord has called him and his wife to move from where they're living, let's just say the United States, and to go to another country to serve. Or maybe even go to the middle-aged training and then serve. And the boss does not want to lose such an employee, and they say, oh, we will double your salary if you stay." And we will give you a promotion and a beautiful corner office and so many other benefits. 
But these dear ones, in many cases, they would say, thank you for this, but I have been a good employee here. I appreciated the opportunity to work here. But I have a higher calling. This is not loving the present age. And so, this is very practical. And the Lord knows where we are. And not only the Lord, but very experienced discerning saints have the discernment, yet the love to cover. They realize, dear sister, dear brother, you love the present age, don't you? You're attracted by this. Now remember, this brother now would be um, close to 70 years old. Maybe, I think it was 50 years ago, he was a student at UCLA. And there was going to be a kind of college conference which are very precious events, as you know well. And then he admitted that he went to this, these singers, Simon and Garfunkel, whoever they were, they were having a live concert. And he just wanted to be there. And it wasn't a one-time thing. Who cannot avoid having Failures that are not our way of life, but they happen. I don't know what's happened to him. And so the enemy, Satan, and his demonic henchmen, they're clever. And they have some perception of the kind of persons we all are. And they will try to attract us by something in the present age just to draw us away and eventually to stir up love in us. What sad words. Demas has abandoned me having loved the present age. And here is Paul speaking this to Timothy. And he charged Timothy, fulfill your ministry. You have your course, Timothy. You have your portion in the ministry. I fulfilled mine. You must fulfill yours. And I look forward, I hope we meet together in the kingdom. Here you have Timothy being so faithful to his spiritual father, Paul, closely following, as mentioned in chapter 3 of Second Timothy, his teaching, his living, his purpose, and we believe became the same. 
point D. Here we have a section on Romans 12, 2. I'll mainly read this, but it's very important and very up-to-date word. Because in this chapter, Paul talks about presenting ourselves to be a living sacrifice that we may this is acceptable to the to God to prove what the will of God is. Then in verses 4 and 5, he shows us the will of God is the body of Christ. This is the will of God, to have the church as the body of Christ. So Paul exhorts us not to be fashioned according to this age. You allow the age to shape you. Your inner being, intrinsically, organically, is inclined toward the Lord, toward God's economy, to his will and purpose, to the meetings of the church, to the church life, to the Lord's move on earth. But if we are attracted to aspects of the present age and not only like it, but we love it, then outwardly we're shaped by it. We're formed by it. We're conformed in our thinking to it. We had one brother, I don't know if he was lacking preparation to come to the full-time training, but this was a very rare case. After a few weeks, he was told, you have to withdraw because he thought this is just like a secular situation. I can challenge the teaching. I can debate. And then he said, I believe in same-sex marriage. So here was a very dear brother married to a sister who stayed in the training, at least for that term. But his mind was shaped by the present age. One, this age, oh, sorry, Let's read, I'll finish reading D. Do not be fashioned according to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. So as we end or reach the end of the age or of our course or both, what kind of mind will we have? A mind with thoughts, and values and ideas and beliefs fashioned by the present age or a renewed mind that opened the way for our transformation. One, this age in verse 2 denotes the present practical part of the world 
which stands in opposition to the body life and replaces the body life. So this is the choice. So many dear ones, commonly called church kids, eventually they all need to make a choice. Will it be the present age or will it be the body life? They're in opposition. And you're not a robot. You're a person with a will. It's up to you. Two, to be fashioned according to this age means to adopt the modern fashions of the present age. It's not only in dress, it's in thinking. It's in the values, the standards. What's considered precious, the views of things. And so someone would say, I know it's the law passed by the Supreme Court. They invented this law same-sex marriage. And I realize you are in such a marriage. I respect that. Meaning I respect you. I don't condemn you. But if you ask me, how do I view marriage? I, I believe God's way. God created us male and female. And marriage is one Male joined to one female. But often there's not, well, I respect that. We have different views. No, in this country where I am, they rise up, condemn you, you're anti this, you're horrible. You're not free to think this or dare to say it. Well, you're not going to scare us, enemy. We choose the mind of Christ. We choose the will of God. We choose to be transformed, not to be fashioned or conformed. To be transformed is to allow an organic element to be wrought into our being, thus producing an inward Metabolic change. So all saints, again, especially the dear young people and young adults who are in a much more difficult world situation that I was in so many decades ago at your age. I don't fully understand how difficult it is. But I appeal to you like a father appealing in love to his children. Please do not be conformed to this age. Please don't let the enemy shape your thoughts, your concepts, your values your ideas. Be renewed. Be transformed. 
Three, because the present age opposes the church, which is God's will, we must not be fashioned according to it. So now we get one step closer. God's will for you. For you. What's in God's heart concerning you? At one time, you gave yourself to him in consecration. Now you're in this situation. One foot in the church, one foot in the world, perhaps. That won't last. No one can live that way. Two lives and two realms. And you need to realize, being conformed to this age will cause you to waste your entire life on earth. Why do I say that? A wasted life is a life lived out contrary to God's will. God wanted this. He created you for this. Redeemed you and regenerated for this. But I say again, you're not a robot. You're not a marionette, a puppet being manipulated. And the faithful apostle Paul said, don't let this happen to be fashioned according to the present age. It's surrounding you. Don't just sit passively and just roam through the internet. When you're passive like this, things will swarm around you. More will get into you than you could ever imagine. We need to actively pursue the Lord and his will. For if we are to live in the body of Christ, we should not follow the present age or be fashioned according to this age or conformed to it. None of us should ever have the thought concerning ourselves. Well, thankfully, I'm not like Demas. I just love the Lord. I love the church life. I love being in the Lord's recovery. I love the saints. I'm thankful for the ministry. Every day I read the recovery version and notes. That's true. But none of us knows what is ahead. And certain things happen to you. Or a certain trial comes your way. Or the enemy at a vulnerable stage in your life attracts you with something seemingly so enjoyable in the present age. And you realize, wow, if I stay in the recovery, it's costly. I just need a break. Then you're drawn into this. Not so easy to come out. We either love the Lord's appearing 
or we love the present age. And we see this contrast in point E. If we love the present age, we will take sides with the world. Some may say, no, I would never take sides with the world. I know the verse in 1 John 5, the whole world lies in the evil one. I would never do that. Well, that's what you think. That's what you feel. But what happens when you love the present age? You take sides with the world. So some younger saints... Because they love the present age, they would say, I agree with same-sex marriage. What's wrong with it? You are just old people, old-fashioned people. Why are they taking sides with it? Because they love the age, and this is part of the age. And when the test comes, Spontaneously, I stand here and I stand for this and this aspect of the world. Taking sides with the world is actually taking sides with Satan, whose mind is behind the entire world system. I know this is shocking, but I have to be faithful to the Lord and to you. There's no middle ground. If we love the Lord's appearing, we will take sides with him and fight with him for his interests. And it's so touching to see saints throughout the earth of all ages, older saints that have been through so much, more than ever before, they love the Lord in his appearing. With their whole being, they, took, they take sides with the Lord. And now they're fighting for his interests. And to see some really younger ones, teenagers, those in getting their trade or at a university, making a decision, I will go to the full-time training. I'm standing with the Lord's interest on the earth. How he will lead me after that, I don't know. But I love the Lord. I love his appearing I want my life to contribute to the fulfillment of God's e eternal purpose, to the consummation of God's economy. I'm young. I, I do hope I can be married and have a family. But if not, I will love the Lord's appearing. And if he interferes with any stage of my life, I'm going. I'm here for him. I love his appearing. I love the present age. 
And I believe it's fair to say that an overall characteristic of the Lord's recovery is that we love the Lord Jesus and we love his appearing and we are standing with him and are fighting with him for God's interests. Just consider, you took the time now to be in this conference to set aside some hours to hear in whatever way is possible to respond to the messages. This is an indicator of the positive stance we're taking. What we need as the end is approaching. And Brother Nee in one of his hymns says, the battle will be more fierce. It will be harder to release the word. So we press on. We press on. We want to be faithful to the end and love the Lord and love his appearing until he appears to us as the morning star. Roman 3. Those who love the Lord wait for his coming and love his appearing will overcome. We all need to be clear and sometimes reminded that none of us is in the position of saying right here and now, I am an overcomer. Overcomers are persons who overcome and finish their course. So Paul is the pattern and the example that is only after we have finished the course that we can say, I did it. I overcame. There were so many obstacles, so many attacks, even my own weaknesses and shortcomings. But by the Lord's grace and ministry, I overcame. Then, and only then, can we have the assurance. But there are three characteristics of those who will overcome. Not that they are overcomers already, but they will. Okay, they love the Lord. They wait for his appearing. They wait. There's something inward within them that makes them watchful, eager, expecting his coming. And they love his appearing. So I suggest we all afresh turn to the source 
1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. Romans 5, the love of God is poured out in our heart. Paul could say, Christ loved me, gave himself up for me. We need more infusion of the divine love that produces in us love for him. Then we need more vision. We need to hold more firmly to the prophetic word. I'm referring to 2 Peter 1.19. Until the light begins to shine in us, the day star rises in our heart. These prophetic words are spirit and life. And they produce in us a waiting and eagerness for his coming. And then we look to him and we ask him, Lord, no matter what happens, inwardly and outwardly in my situation, please cause me, motivate me to love your appearing. Now the three subpoints. And it looks as though it'll be a, just a little bit shorter than the first three. But I'm not there yet. A loving the Lord's appearing is a proof that we love the Lord and live for him today. Today. How wise that God measures out human life by day. And we can have a new beginning, a new revival every day. Hence, it becomes a condition for us to receive his reward. If we do not love the Lord's appearing and live for him today, we will not receive the reward. What is there to reward? What kind of reward would Demas receive? For what? I served with Paul for this many years. I was faithful. I did this and that. Yes. How did it end? And so, there's a condition. I pointed this out from verse 8 in 2 Timothy 4. He receives the the crown of righteousness, the recompense, the reward, because he loved the Lord's appearing. B, to love the Lord's appearing does not mean that we should not live a normal life. Rather, the more we love his appearing, the more we need to live a normal life today. This is really the God-man living. We love the Lord's appearing. Then what should we do? Just live a normal human life. You have three children. You have responsibility on your job. You have some older parents. You need to take care of your health. You need to pay your taxes. We just live a normal life. 
to repeat, the Lord used examples of normal living to illustrate the rapture. And this is mysterious. I can't go into it now. But the more we become the same as God in life and nature, but not in the Godhead and not as an object of worship, the more Jesusly human we become. Brother Lee was the most human person I've ever known. Jesusly human. But of course, the most mature and useful vessel on the whole earth when he was here. So be encouraged. To love the Lord's appearing doesn't mean you stop your education. You don't write your doctoral dissertation. You don't have your marriage, get married after you're engaged. That you don't have a family. Just be normal. When we love the Lord's appearing and are inwardly ready, don't worry. The Lord will take care of everything. Our focus is on his appearing. As those who love the Lord Jesus, take him as our life. Live him and magnify him. We should await his coming and love his appearing. This should be our heart's desire and our living as those who hope to enter into his joy, be saved into the Lord's heavenly kingdom, and receive the crown of righteousness. So let's look at this a little. We have about two minutes more is all I need. We hope to enter into the Lord's joy. This is the salvation of our soul. We want to be saved into the Lord's heavenly kingdom. Paul said the Lord will save me into his heavenly kingdom, preserve me, protect me. And we want to receive the crown of righteousness. Although we're not occupied excessively, we're not obsessed with personal spirituality, we care for the body, but there's the personal side. We personally are living under God's government. We personally are looking away unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We personally are losing our soul life to receive the salvation of the soul. And all of us personally want to enter the Lord's joy, be saved into the heavenly kingdom, and receive the crown of righteousness. This is in all of our hearts. So the burden has been released according to the principle of a treasure in earthen vessels. And so the treasure is these precious aspects of the Lord's word concerning 
living a Christian life at the end of the present age.